Goodness. It may not be what you think it is. In fact, some say that goodness is an illusion that cannot be achieved. But pure goodness is foundational for success for faith-based business leaders like you and me. I invite you to join me as we unpack what goodness really is and look at ways that you can integrate it into your business and communications. Do you feel like you compromise your values when you write marketing copy? Does creating ethical communication strategies perplex you? Imagine the business opportunities that would open up when you take a stand to market without manipulation. Now is the time. Disrupt your marketplace by using God-inspired marketing strategies to connect with your customers. Hear how other Christ followers in business are exchanging today's hype for authentic alignment. The Joyful Communications Podcast dives into ways to communicate effectively with integrity. Here's your host, Chief Communication Strategist, Joy Caps. In our previous episode, we unpacked kindness and ways to authentically weave kindness throughout our business and marketing communications. But you know, kindness is also an outward expression of goodness, which is a concept that is challenging for many of us to understand from a godly perspective. So let's spend the next few minutes unpacking the difference between being good and goodness and the various definitions of goodness. And we'll also look at everyday examples of businesses implementing goodness marketing, because it is a thing. We'll take our time to see what God's word says about goodness. And then we'll wrap things up by looking at ways you can use goodness in your business and marketing communications. You know, if you're like me, I've always considered being good and goodness to mean pretty much the same thing. In fact, I've discovered it's pretty common for people to confuse being good with goodness. That's the way I've always viewed it until recently. You see, the more I've spent time studying the concept of goodness, the more I've come to realize there's several different perspectives of what goodness means. And it starts with the lens that we view things through. But let's unpack this a little bit. Let's take a look at the difference between good and goodness. You know, good can be used as an adjective or a noun. As an adjective, it means desired or approved qualities. But as a noun, it can mean a benefit or the opposite of evil, something that's morally right. Some even try to use good as an adverb, but doing so isn't widely accepted. Comparatively, goodness is defined by many as a noun or interjection, meaning having the quality of being good or exclaiming, oh my goodness. Or a lot of times I use it by saying, for goodness sakes, or thank goodness that happened. Those are all interjections. But you know, so far, those definitions and usage cases, they they seem pretty similar, right? So I, I kept digging. And if you do the same, you'll find many who say that goodness is expressed through good deeds or kind, charitable acts. And while that is true, there's no negating that, I've discovered there is so much more to know and understand about authentic and pure goodness. And that understanding 
can transform the way Christian entrepreneurs and business leaders show up in the marketplace. One of my favorite new-to-me resources, ChatGPT, it's great to, to research on. And, and, you know, it pulls from man-made data to formulate an answer, but it makes things really fast. And it explained the nuance between good and goodness this way. It said, good is an adjective that describes the positive attributes of something, while goodness is a noun that represents the overall quality, virtue, or moral excellence of something. You know, examples of being good include helping a friend move, respecting elders, apologizing after a mistake, even listening attentively or volunteering at a homeless shelter versus examples of goodness. These are different. It's showing compassion, honesty, generosity, selfishness, empathy, and moral integrity. So there's distinct differences between being good and goodness. And that that seems clear when you compare the two. It's also obvious that the concept of goodness looks one way from the world's perspective and another way from the creator of the universe's perspective. Using ChatGPT again, it made this distinction. It, It shared that worldly goodness has principles valued by secular society, while biblical goodness is grounded in Christian beliefs that are closely tied to God's commandments. Wow, that's rich. You know, as you pause to reflect about your own business, I I wonder if you could ask yourself, does your business embrace goodness as a principle? Is that goodness that it embraces based on secular goodness or godly goodness? Now, those are rhetorical questions, but no matter which way you slice it, goodness involves ethical behavior and practices and values that extend far beyond profitability and growth. Pure goodness in business can be a guiding principle that enhances a company's reputation and long-term success. But sadly, many companies and business owners over the years have given us examples of not embracing goodness as a principle. Let's take a look at a few. If you think back several decades to a well-known Texas-based company that started to crumble in plain view because of accounting fraud, insider training, unethical practices, and more that led to their bankruptcy. Remember them? If you're thinking Enron, you would be correct. And, And on a personal note, I actually received a job offer from them only months before everything imploded for them. Thank goodness I accepted an offer with a different company or I would have been in a definite pickle. Now, another example that's pretty negative of a company not embracing the principle of goodness can be found in Wells Fargo. You remember what they did? They, they violated customer trust by creating millions of unauthorized accounts to meet sales targets. Do you remember that going across the news? Maybe you were one of the ones impacted. You know, while we could fill this entire episode with negative examples of businesses who have not used goodness, and that would definitely draw people in like rubberneckers looking at a traffic accident. I think it's time for us to move on to explore goodness from a more positive angle. 
Let's take a look at everyday examples of businesses that implement goodness into their business communications. Known by many as cause marketing or purpose-driven marketing, goodness marketing typically looks for ways to create a positive impact on society while enhancing the company brand and attracting customers who support those causes. Here's some examples. Eyeglass manufacturer Warby Parker, which happens to be the maker of the glasses that I wear, is well known for their buy a pair, give a pair campaign. Perhaps you've heard of it. For every pair of glasses that they sell, Warby Parker will donate a pair to someone in need. Similarly, Tom's Shoes has their one-for-one campaign where they donate a pair of shoes to children in need. Burt's Bees, they're the natural personal care products company. They showcase their goodness by promoting their sustainability efforts to reduce environmental impact. In fact, if you look around, there are many, many companies that are joining the environmental impact bandwagon today. Uh, A few examples would include Chipotle's Food with Integrity Initiative or Coca-Cola's Plant Bottle Campaign or Body Shop's Enrich Not Exploit Campaign and IKEA, their People and Planet Positive Campaign. Talk about alliteration. Smaller, lesser-known companies are also demonstrating goodness marketing. Some examples include a company called Grounds and Hounds Coffee Company, and they donate a portion of their proceeds to support animal rescue. Another company called Love Your Melon, they actually specialize in selling beanies to cover your head. They are committed to giving 50% of their profits to support pediatric cancer research and support for children battling cancer. A company I found called Soapbox Soaps. They're, they're a real small soap and personal care products company with a one-for-one mission as well. And for every product they sell, they donate a bar of soap to someone in need. Now, this was a company I never heard of. It's called Tegu, T-E-G-U. And they're a small toy manufacturing company that puts together wooden building blocks that are magnetic. And they emphasize ethical production practices by employing local workers in Honduras where their products are made. And additionally, Tegu will plant a tree for every toy sold, contributing to a reforestation effort in that region. Now, the common theme for many of these goodness marketing examples find companies that align with values and causes shared by their ideal customers with the intent of forging deeper connections, fostering trust, standing out from competitors, and creating a lasting impact. So far, so good. I I think it's wonderful. In fact, um, to support that, recent surveys show that 80% of customers these days prioritize values alignment for where they pick to shop, which makes goodness marketing a focus for winning new customers and earning customer loyalty. So that makes sense. You know, goodness can be seen in the actions, but the hearts of the doers, well, they need to be pure because doing goodness only for our benefit, well, here's the rub. It's more selfish or self-serving than actual goodness. 
Think about that for a second. Now, as I look at the never-ending list of companies that have created um, programs that are, are designed to align with a cause or purpose, it's easy to see the vast majority focus on secular goodness. You know, the vast majority are what we call agnostic, meaning they, they don't bring God or biblical principles into the mix. But there are some who practice goodness marketing with a heavy emphasis on free thinking, humanism, or even consequentialism, all of which follow the philosophical point of view that functions without religion or God. Now, I'd never even thought about before, but as a Christ follower in business, it's important to know that those things exist. You know, Harvard's humanist chaplain, Greg Epstein, he espouses that we can be good without God. And yeah, I guess he's right. In fact, being good without God is the title of his book. Take it a step further, and I found that atheist.org, they do have a website with lots of information. They build on that point by teaching that ethical behavior has nothing to do with the presence or absence of a religious belief. And those varying secular viewpoints, while they may be widely embraced by businesses around the globe, they're, they're basically practicing a form of secular goodness marketing. And I think that distinction is really important as we dive into this discussion of goodness for a Christian business leader. But what if as a Christian business leader, you want to ensure godly goodness shines through your business? What does that look like? And how would you do that? Well, let's spend the next few minutes of this episode diving into those questions. And we'll start with what does God's word say about goodness? You know, out of all of the fruits of the Spirit that we've looked at so far, grasping and emulating goodness seems that it can be a a bit of a slippery slope. It, It can be tricky, especially in today's world, because being good or displaying secular goodness is very different from having a spirit of goodness, a pure goodness that is based on biblical values. Now, I think you've seen that point driven home throughout this discussion, but let's look at it this way. Plainly said, a godly spirit of goodness means not doing elaborate things to gain recognition. An example of, of that from my life came to mind when I was led several decades ago um, to lead the public relations efforts for a building campaign for a regional food bank. Now, the campaign was wildly successful and exceeded our expectations, which was great. But putting this podcast episode together, I I reflected on it and realized that two of the largest donors, they made sure their names were prominently tied to that particular food bank and displayed very loudly and proudly because of their donations. Now, while there's nothing wrong with that, It was in their right to do it. Their need for recognition of their donation illustrates the difference between secular and godly goodness. I think it does it well. You know, pure godly goodness 
is about doing things for others to shine God's light without putting the focus or benefit back on ourselves. How can you and I do that? Well, you and I can do that by encouraging those who are down, praising God for what you see in his creations, praising God for answered prayer, even when the answer wasn't what you desired, and praising God for his many blessings. In the Bible, there are many, many illustrations of goodness. The most infamous one being that of the life of Christ. Yeah, Jesus's life is the perfect example of goodness. He puts others' needs before his own and sought the benefits of others, like the Father does, Father God. You know, as the good shepherd, Jesus demonstrated goodness because he laid down his life for his sheep. And we're the sheep. You know, other biblical stories about demonstrating goodness can be found in the story of the Good Samaritan. You remember that, you know, the Good Samaritan demonstrated goodness to someone who was sick and injured. And, and while that sounds perfectly normal, the two main characters were the Samaritan and someone who was Jewish, which historically the Samaritans and the Jews despised each other and would never even interact with each other. But in this case, goodness was demonstrated when historical and cultural walls were overlooked to show an act of goodness in helping another human being. Love your neighbor as yourself. That, that's really what we're talking about here, right? That's goodness. And you can read that story in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. Another biblical story that displays goodness can be found in the story of Esther. Now, there's a lot behind this story, but in this particular point, you know, where I saw goodness was Queen Esther standing up for what was right for the Jewish people. Remember, in her role, she had a choice. She could have ignored the pending doom of the Jews and kept herself sh safe by keeping her mouth shut, or she could protect them by taking a stand. She took a stand, by the way. Check it out in the book of Esther. It's a good read. Now, one last example here is found in 2 Chronicles 29. If you read about uh, King Hezekiah, he did not give in to the whims of the people that he was leading. Instead, he made specific choices and decrees that led the Israelites back to worshiping God again. Now, in these three stories that I recounted, do you notice the theme in these examples of goodness? It involves people taking a stand for what is right and doing so without putting their own personal benefit or selfish motives first. And hopefully it has become clear that being good and practicing goodness, biblical, pure goodness, they're not the same thing. And that secular goodness is very different from godly goodness. With those thoughts in mind, let's spend a few minutes exploring what godly goodness can look like in your business and marketing communications. You know, practicing godly goodness in your business and communications is more about practicing a set of values than it is implementing some techniques or tactics. If you run a medium to large company, you may find it challenging to get all of your team members to sign off on the practice of godly goodness. 
simply because not everyone may believe in God the way you do. But as a business leader, you can definitely build the foundation of your company or your department on godly goodness. And you can ask those who work for and with you to acknowledge the values of your company and what it's based on or your department and what it's based on. It's all about positioning. As I sat with the Lord on ways to practice godly goodness, several things came to mind that you and I can weave into our strategic planning documents, our company code of ethics, our customer service interactions, and even a checklist for creating marketing communications. And you can do that if you're a solopreneur, if you are a small to medium-sized business, or even larger. Size doesn't matter. So let's take a look at these. Here we go. I have four different things. One, do unto others. Yeah, you've heard that before, right? So practice treating others the way you want to be treated. You can l- learn more about that in Luke 6, 31 and Matthew seven twelve. There are so many ways that you and I can make the golden rule part of our business and marketing. Simply said, In marketing, whenever creating those communications, make the do unto others part of your pre and post creation process by asking, is what we're creating and how we're promoting it, treating our customers and prospects the way we would want to be treated? Sounds simple enough. Okay. How about this one? Be honest. Yeah. Be honest. There are 159 plus verses about honesty in the ultimate how-to guide. One that addresses honesty plainly is found in Proverbs 12, 22, which says that lying is an abomination to the Lord. Okay. Take note of that. Don't want to lie. <laughs> well, while you can definitely make being honest a hardline rule for you and your team and colleagues to follow, you can also make honesty one of your marketing communications filters by asking, is what we're creating and promoting doing so honestly? Or are there some twisted truths and realities in there? Now, obviously, if, if you find some, you need to change it up. Okay, here's the third way to do this. Put others first. Godly goodness shows graciousness, kindness, and compassion to others. Putting others first in business and marketing involves showing your prospects, customers, team members, vendors, colleagues, partners, anyone that you really care. Now, this can be done by showing sincere empathy and understanding. The simple act of listening giving compliments, sending care packages. Those are all ways to demonstrate putting others first. And another easy way is to make what you share about others first and not about you or your company. In my book, I I have a whole section dedicated to, hey, it's not about you. But when you practice this, any focus on self will take a back seat and pure goodness will take center stage. Okay, so we've looked at do unto others, be honest, put others first. Here's the last one in this grouping. Be a good ambassador. You know, we're all called to do this. If you look at 2 Corinthians 5.20, you'll see what I mean. It, It shares that we are empowered to shine God's light and bless others. 
Ways to do this in business and marketing can include doing quality work with excellence. Ecclesiastes 9.10 and Colossians 3.23 talk about that. Another way to be a good ambassador is to give thoughtful responses. Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath and speaks the truth in love. Also found in Ephesians 4.15. Another way to be a good ambassador is to listen to others. James 1.19 says, Be quick to listen. And as someone once said, we need to share God's light at all times and use words when necessary. Okay, so those are four ways that you can definitely display goodness in your business and in your communications. And they originated with examples in God's word. Who is the creator of goodness? God is goodness. So while there are many creative and meaningful ways that you can demonstrate those four goodness principles that we just covered, it's clear that pure godly goodness will transform the hearts and minds of anyone who consistently seeks ways to show godly goodness. The four values are just the beginning. What I'd like to encourage you to do is to sit with the Lord and ask Him to show you ways you can weave godly goodness into your business and marketing communications. Now, chapter 10 of Joyful Copy, my book, unpacks pure goodness further and gives you three copywriting techniques for letting godly goodness shine through your marketing communications. You can order your copy of Joyful Copy, How to Show Up in the Marketplace Ethically and Authentically on Amazon, Barnes & Noble Books A Million, and most major online retailers. Now, let me ask you this. Do you want your business to covertly or overtly take a stand for goodness in the marketplace? I can help you with that. Let's explore ways to weave godly goodness throughout your business communications. It all starts with a conversation. You can book your free discovery call when you visit joycaps.com forward slash about. Now join us next time as we examine a concept that is really underused in society these days, faithfulness. This wraps up the 10th episode of the Joyful Communications podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode or have feedback, please reach out to me at joy at joycaps.com. Better yet, I'd really appreciate it if you'd share this podcast with others and consider giving me a review or rating. Never miss a show by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, be blessed.